My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. So, as Danny read today, Matthew 15, 10 to 28 is the lectionary text. However, verses 10 through 19 are in parentheses. You can choose whether or not you're going to read them as part of today's message. And the reason that they're in parentheses is they make people uncomfortable. Jesus talks about pooping. Did you see that? He says it not what goes in because what goes in just comes out. And we don't want Jesus to talk about that. And he talks about the things that come out of your mouth defile you. Well, nobody wants us to correct the things that they say or how they say them. Poor Vicky lives with a man who learned the king's English from his father. My dad came over in 1959, and just out of habit, I correct her English. Sometimes she rolls her eyes, but I'll tell you, her English is improving. <laughs> but I'm sure that that is a pet peeve of my wife, and that's, that's really what Jesus is talking about today. What was Jesus' pet peeve? Well, it was anybody or anything that kept people from access to God. So what is your pet peeve? Do slow walkers bother you? Do slow talkers bother you? Do slow eaters or fast eaters bother you? Or or neighbors who don't cut their grass? Or neighbors who cut it too early in the morning? Or neighbors who cut it too often? Do the calorie police bother you? Do procrastinators bother you? Do bad drivers, fast drivers bother you? Do people who wear masks bother you? Do people who don't wear masks bother you? Do people who don't put the shopping carts back bother you? (sighs) Do people who can't make a decision bother you? Do people who make decisions for you bother you? Do people with strong opinions bother you or people with no opinions? Do cat owners bother you? Do dog owners bother you? Do gun owners bother you? Do bicyclists that ride three abreast so you can't pass them bother you? Do people who don't wipe down the machines at the gym bother you? Line butters, line cutters, libertarians, Republicans, Democrats, independents, rude people, disrespectful people, ignorant people? What bothers you? Now, the reason that it bothers us, and I want you to hear this, is from psychology, is that we talk a lot about self-esteem. And self-esteem means that you're looking at all the people around you and measuring yourself. So, if you put the cart back and other people don't, you feel a little better about yourself because you put the cart back, or you wipe the machine, or you follow the rules of the road. And in Jesus' time, the Jews felt that they were closest to God. He said, we are your chosen people, and they tried to follow his laws, all 613 of them in the Old Testament. And people who didn't follow the laws and weren't Jews were less than them. It made them feel better about themselves. Now, you can say to yourself, well, none of those things, Dr. Madison, bother me. Well, then you just puffed yourself again, didn't you? Because you just said anybody that's bothered those by those things is less than me. Now, 
My counseling professor at Liberty was named Dr. Hawkins. And just before we graduated, we had an intensive down in Lynchburg with him to talk about what counseling would be like in real life. Now, I don't know which of you have what's called a terminal degree, a degree that makes you a something, a lawyer, a therapist, a social worker, a nurse. But when you get that degree, you're a something. And if you talk to somebody who has that degree and you say to them, how well prepared were you when you got your degree to start your first day of work? And most of them will go, I was not prepared at all. Well, Dr. Hawkins, knowing that, had a, a whole seminar on what it means to actually be a therapist. It was, it was very well done. And towards the end, he said, make a list of people or, or psychological conditions that you would find it difficult or impossible with whom to work. And he gave us a fair amount of time to prayerfully and thoughtfully consider who we would have difficulty sitting across from as a therapist. And then he asked us to share our lists and our reasoning. One person in the class had grown up with parents who were alcoholics, and they said, I would have very difficult time counseling an alcoholic because of all of that stuff that would resonate. And one person had been abused as a child. And they said, I would have a hard time sitting across from a pedophile. And we went through our lists, and they were all thoughtful and, and well, well laid out. And then Dr. Hawkins looked at us in the eyes, and he said, which of these people would God choose not to die for? The room got very quiet. God chose to die for all of them. We as human beings put up walls that keep people from getting to God. I, I purchased a book that I, I recently read for the leadership of the church. It's called What, Would Make, what Made Jesus Mad? And it's by Tim Harlow. And the answer again is anything that gets in the way of God's love. So the disciples, I want you to hear this, the disciples had heard Jesus' sermon on what defiles you. It's whatever comes out of your mouth. Now, I don't know about your mouth, but mine is connected to my brain. Sometimes I wonder about other people. <laughs> I don't know what their mouth is connected to, but mine's connected to my brain. And chances are I have to think it before I say it. Now, my mom taught me that there's some things you're not supposed to say out loud. Just nod if your mom taught you that. There's no nodding going on. Your moms did not teach you to keep stuff to yourself? Or did she just tell you not to nod in church? I'll take either one. But the disciples were taught that it's what comes out of your mouth that, you're not a, that defiles you. So this, now it's funny. In the olden times, they called her a Syrophoenician woman. Do you remember that from your childhood? She wasn't the Canaanite woman. If you look up in your old King James, she was called the Syrophoenician woman. Well, why did they do that? Well, they did that because she was a Canaanite, and we didn't want to insult our Jewish brothers and sisters. Well, why, Dr. Madison, would, would you find that insulting? Well, in Judges chapter 1, verses 27 to 33, we're told that the Israelites, when they went to the land of 
Canaan did not remove all of the people that God had told them to do. They had been disobedient. They did not follow the law of God. And then it says that rather than conquer them and kill them, they made them their slaves. So the fact that this woman walks up to Jesus, the Messiah, the promised one, the the person that all of Israel has been waiting for for thousands of years, is an insult to every Jew in the place. Now, the disciples know better than to put their foot in their mouth, so they're just thinking stuff. Well, who does she think she is? She's a Canaanite. She shouldn't even be talking to Jesus. Well, I want you to think of one more thing. From where Jesus preached the sermon about defiling yourself, and Tyre and Sidon is 50 miles. He made the disciples walk 50 miles to learn this lesson. I want you to think about that. That's a long way to walk to learn a lesson. Well, the Syrophoenician or the Canaanite woman was relentless. Have you seen the video of the people taking the grate and letting all the baby ducks out? It's, it's been a meme. It's been on the news. It's been all around. Well, what they don't tell you is the beginning of the story is that the policeman in Canada was standing at his post and this mama duck comes up and starts pulling on his pant leg. And he, you know, shooed her away and she came back and she relentlessly pulled on the policeman's pant leg until she convinced him to follow her. Now, back to the dog, our dog Sadie, she would get excited, and then Vicky would tease her and shout, did Timmy fall into the well? Well, and sooner or later, you're going to follow the dog, or this policeman followed the relentless duck. And she took him to the grate where her ducklings were in. Now, there was water in the grate, and the ducklings were happily petting, pet paddling around, but they couldn't get out. And the policemen and some other workers got the grate out and they saved all the ducks. That's the intention of this woman. She doesn't care that she's a Canaanite. She doesn't care that they're Jews. She's got a sick child. And the only answer for her is to fall at the feet of Jesus. Religion is defined by what I can say this. From defines what religion expects from us. Religion wants us to do something, to say the right prayer, to sing the right song, to put the right amount of money in the plate, to do, do, do. Religion demands something from us. Jesus did everything for us. Think of the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. Remember, one prayed, couldn't even look at God and said, I'm a sinner. And the other one stood up and said, look at me. I am higher than everybody else because I follow those 613 rules in the Bible. Now, my, my cousin in Tennessee, she's a little bit older than me and she has a great sense of humor. She put up a, a meme this week. I don't know if she made it up, but it sounds like something she would say. She said, by the end of quarantine, you're going to be a monk a chunk, a hunk, or a drunk. And then she said, make good choices. That's what Jesus says. Make good choices. It's not what you put in, it's what comes out. God's grace is sufficient for everyone. Now, there were some commentators 
who said that Jesus, and this drives me up a tree, Jesus needed to be instructed as to a new way of thinking. And that's why he said such blatantly racist things to this woman. Well, I totally don't agree with that. And there's other commentators who call that commentator a little nutty. Jesus is schooling those around him. All those disciples who aren't saying it, but are thinking it. And he says all the things that they are thinking. Jesus is not being schooled as to racism or social discontent or political issues or spiritual tendencies. In fact, you remember, he already broke all these when he talked to the Samaritan woman. See, humanity's laws separate, divide, and destroy. And God's laws reconcile, repair, and resurrect. You might remember me saying this, I've said it often, faith is the key that opens the door to God's action. Did you hear what the woman said? She called Jesus Lord. Not once, not twice, but three times. And the last time she called him Lord, she threw him, herself at his feet. She worshipped at the foot of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus already knew what he was going to do. I want you to hear that. This is not a sermon on predestination. But he traveled 50 miles just to meet this woman. Just so his disciples could learn this lesson as to the sermon he had just given. He knew before he got her there the level of faith of the Canaanite woman. Jesus teaches us the same lesson. It's not what goes in. It's not what you do. It's not what religion expects, expects from you. It's a recognition of what God did for you. He shares it in the word, and then he gives a life example. I hate it when he does that. I hate it when somebody shows me that I'm wrong by doing something that I wish I had known better before it happened. I'm, I'm having trouble coming up with a biblical description, but I can come up with a personal one. I am a toothpaste tube fanatic. My toothpaste tube is very carefully squeezed from the bottom up. Do you know people like this, right? When I squeeze my toothpaste out, I rub it on the side of the cabinet so that it's perfect. There's somebody in my house. I don't know who it is. But there's somebody in my house who likes to sneak in and you know what they do? Squeeze it in the middle. I have never caught this person, but I have an I think you might have an idea who this person is. And I'll go in in the morning and I'm like, mm, I hate it when that happens. Well, Jesus hates it when anybody blocks someone from receiving the love of God. And the disciples, after he healed the daughter, after he commended the Syrophoenician woman, the Canaanite woman for her faith, what did they do? They all went like this. I hate it when he does that. I hate it when he shows us how wrong we are. Now I want you to think of one more thing. There are only three people in the Gospels commended for their faith. One, of course, is the Canaanite woman. 
The second one is the woman with the hemorrhage of blood. And the third is the Roman soldier who asked Jesus to heal the servant. Now, what do these three people have in common? Well, they have a need that Jesus addressed. They also have something that would prohibit them from talking to a Jew and a rabbi. A woman with an issue of blood was perennially unclean. She was not allowed to be near anybody, much less the Son of God. The Roman soldier was forbidden because he wasn't a Jew. And of course, the Canaanite woman wasn't welcome because she was a Canaanite. What does Jesus say to us? He says, everyone is welcome. Jesus reminds his disciples and us that God's grace is for everyone. He also reminds us that if we have a list of people that might not be welcome in the kingdom of God or in worship, that we need to tear that list up and throw it away. Do you have opinions about people with tattoos? People who come too casually dressed to church? People who come too provocatively dressed to church? People who wear their ball caps in church? Do you have a list? Jesus says all of those people are welcome in my church. I want you to hear this. The Apostle Paul fought diligently for the Gentiles to be welcomed in to what was becoming the church of Jesus Christ in the first century. And he went to Jerusalem and they had a big discussion about what rules and what laws should apply. And you might remember that the Judaizers were a group, a faction in the church who said they need to follow all of God's laws, all 613 laws. They can't eat this, they can't wear that, they can't work here. And the Council of Jerusalem decided that there were only four things that they were going to tell the Gentiles they couldn't do. They were not allowed to eat meat sacrificed to idols. They weren't allowed to eat strangled meat from strangled animals. They weren't allowed to consume blood. And they had to refrain from sexual immorality. If the list of things that we have keeps anybody other than those four from coming to the church... Jesus says we need to throw our list away. Canaanites are welcome. Romans are welcome. Women with an issue of blood are welcome. Everyone is welcome. Jesus reminds us that it's his will that, I'm sorry, Jesus reminds us that he will find you at your place of need. He found the Roman. He found the woman with the issue of blood. And he went out of his way 50 miles now, 50 miles might not sound a lot to us, but he didn't have a bus ticket. He didn't have an airplane or a helicopter. He didn't have a motor school or even a bicycle because uh, I'm getting closer and closer to my goal of riding to Ocean City by the end of the summer. I, I got up to 42 miles a week ago. I did 30 yesterday. Well, 50 miles is going to take me with breaks and stops about five hours. But 50 miles by foot could take anywhere from three to seven days, depending on your speed. Jesus reminds us that he will find you at your point of need. And sometimes he will find you at your point of need through the ministry of the church. Jesus reminds us that remembering who we were when he found us is paramount in the continued ministry of the church. We cannot fall into the trap of the Pharisees. 
well, now that I'm saved, and now that I've stopped doing this, and now that I, I do do this, well, you're here and I'm here. Jesus says, no, we are all sinners in need of a savior. And some of us are blessed to be sinners saved by grace, but we need to remember where we were before we met Jesus. Jesus asks you, where is your faith today? Do you need to admit that you need a savior? Have you never said, I am a a sinner in need of a savior. I need to be washed in the blood. I need to have my guilt taken away. The front pew of the church is open and our deacons and our pastors would love to pray with you. Make your way up during the last hymn. Do you believe that the work has been done for you? Perhaps you've been coming to church and you've been on that treadmill of do, do, do. I've got to give, I've got to read, I've got to pray, and I'm going to earn. Well, you can't earn, you can't learn, you can't obey, you can't say your way into the kingdom of heaven. Let me say that again. You can't earn, you can't learn, you can't obey, and you can't say your way into the kingdom of heaven. It will never be enough. And if you're on that treadmill, you're going to be a frustrated person. And Perhaps you're going to get frustrated with this church and go to another one. But until you realize that Jesus did it all for you, you'll never really be part of the kingdom. Or maybe today is the day that you need to commit to make Jesus Lord of your life. Not just your Lord on Sunday morning or Thursday night. Not just your Lord when you dip your toes into scripture with the upper room or your daily reading. But Lord of your life, 24-7, every day of the week. If you would like to discuss or pray over any of those things with our deacons or our pastors, again, the front pew of the church is open during the last hymn. Amen.